Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Money for the Rest of Us. This is a personal finance show. It's on money, how it works, how to invest it, and how to live without worrying about it. I'm your host, David Stein. Today is episode 211. It's titled, How to Navigate a Housing Bubble. I recently received an email from Joe. He writes, I am a fellow Idahoan, but I live in Treasure Valley where all the growth is happening. Treasure Valley is in uh, the Boise, Meridian, Nampa, Caldwell area. I live in Idaho Falls. There's growth here too. Probably not as much as as, uh, over there though. He continues, my wife and I are looking to move up in-house, but the real estate market is so hot here from all the growth that we are probably going to build to get what we want because inventory is so low. And we would have to do many improvements to the houses on the market to make it the way we would want. I need a place for all my equipment for my business, a bigger garage. He has a lawn care company. And He says, my wife needs a bonus room to do in-home daycare in addition to her being a stay-at-home mom. I was wondering if you could speak to the real estate market being so hot locally. I think it's a good idea to harvest the equity in our current home and move up now because I do not see it slowing down. We live in the information age and all the surrounding residents of other states see us as a cheaper place to live even though it's starting to become unaffordable for us locals. My wife and I have the ability to do so now, but my fear is if we wait with rising interest rates and the massive growth, we will soon be priced out of the market. That's common sentiment. When there's a housing bubble, there is that fear of missing out, that the prices are are going to keep continuing to rise. Later in a follow-up email, he said, he wrote, I could live the Dave Ramsey life and delay for decades and pay off my current home before moving up. I could live the Robert Kiyosaki way from Rich Dad, Poor Dad and just leverage up and get by on high payments. He calculated if they built a house, his mortgage would double his monthly mortgage payment from $800 to $1,600. He continues, my wife and I bought in 2012 as a short sale and have benefited from our equity, which is why our payments are so low. They've experienced 100% appreciation in their house since 2012. They bought pretty close to the bottom. We're new parents, and my wife is lucky enough to have the option to stay home because I have structured my business in a way to allow this when most people my age, he's 27, don't have the choice and both parents have to work to get by. We're planning on growing our family, the business aspect of the new home, in addition to more space 
for our planned growth is why we feel we want to move up in house. So they, she wants to do home and home, do some home care or, or watch some other kids daycare, I guess, room for his business. And he says another reason to move up now is because economic fundamentals and other factors make housing more expensive for the foreseeable future in our area. He mentioned he has a background in economics. That's his undergrad. He's taken some, some master's courses and decided he likes his lawn care business. The, the, he just would find that the low-level banking financial jobs can get in the area without moving just, just doesn't interest him. They have family in Treasure Valley, and they want to stay in the area for the foreseeable future. But it, it goes back to, he says, balancing Balance and trying to live a full life while not overworking or the inability to have choices we do have in terms of, of his wife being able to stay at home. They're kind of stuck. They're in a house. They need more room or they would like more room. There's very low inventory and, and that's pretty consistent in hot real estate markets. Just not a whole lot of houses Get into bidding wars, which what you do get isn't that great. Feel like you have to put a lot of work into it. You build buildings are expensive, and it's a tough situation. We talked about housing bubbles way back in episode eighty-one. This was in November twenty fifteen, specifically fo- focusing on the Australian housing market, which was in a bubble. For the year ending June 30th, 2015, Australian home prices increased 10.5%. They were up 33% since 2012 in Sydney. They had some of the most expensive housing prices in the world and very high debt levels. The household debt to disposable income was 185% in June 2015. It was a housing bubble, yet it's still going. At the end of 2017, that household debt as a percent of disposable income is now 197% compared to 185% in June 2015. That compares to 106% in the U.S., so double. U.S. got as high as 132% in terms of their debt to disposable income back in 2007. Since I published that episode in November 2015, Australian home prices have continued to rise. The Australia Established Home Price Index has increased 15% since that episode. So it's not going up 10% a year. Been almost three years, 15%. So it's increasing about 5% a year. The average home price in Australia is $688,000, Australian dollars. It's about a 509000 in U.S. dollars. The average home price in the U.S., for comparison, is $375,000. Houses are more expensive in Australia. As I was looking at the Australian home market and the Canadian market, which I'll talk about in a minute, 
I kept going back to a quote by Nobel Prize-winning economist Milton Freeman. He said, when earnings, talking about corporate earnings, are exceptionally high, they don't just keep booming. They can't break loose from economic gravity. I think the same thing applies to home prices. When they're high, they can boom for a really long time. But they can't break loose from economic gravity. And what's that economic gravity? Well, it's the ability of households to service the mortgage debt, to make those payments. In June 2017, the OECD did a study comparing the the most expensive housing prices in the world. In Australia and Canada were in the top five. And they looked at some some basic housing metrics. What is the price to rent and the price to income? That's the gravity. Those are their key aspects. Prices of houses need to generally be in line to to rent and the, the income of the households that are living in those houses. Well, they found that price to rent was 48% above the long-term average in Australia. And price to income was 29% above its long-term average. So well above average. And this bubble, it can. It can last a long time, which gets back to Joe's concern, that fear of missing out. Could go on. Could continue to go on. Perhaps, though, we're starting to see a break. The Australian Established Home Price Index only increased 2% over the past year. That's the lowest since 2013. In the last quarter, home prices have fallen 0.7%, including in Sydney, where they have fallen 1.2% over the past year. In the Australian home market, most single-family homes, they're, 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 it's an auction market. That's the preferred sales channel. And they're seeing, most recently, 55% of homes that were up for auction sold. That's down from 75% a year ago. And typically, less than 50% is a sign of trouble in the Australian home market. Jim Grant of Grant Interest Rate Observer looked at this, you know, what, what is it that's driving the home prices in Australia? So that so they've somewhat disconnected from gravity. He points out low interest rates, immense offshore demand for domestic property, buyers from China coming in and other countries. That, that's a huge inflow. This spillover, those with higher incomes coming into an area. That's what's happening in the Boise Treasury Boise, Idaho area. Grant mentions the advent of gimmicky mortgages and a wave of immigration. So you have those buying from outside that don't live in the country. Then you have immigration. That can sustain a housing bubble for many years. Gimmicky mortgages. 40% of mortgage loans in 2015 were interest only in Australia. And the, the, regula- the Australian Prudential Regulation Authority has now said only 30% of new loans can be interest only. So as these loans, typically they're five-year interest only. So when they come due, what, what's happening is, is the 
home mortgage payment can increase 30 to 40%. And so homeowners want to refinance, but now with 40% being interest only, and it's, it's only allowed to be 30%, some are going to be pushed out. And it turns out that surveys suggest that most people in Australia have no idea they're on an interest-only loan. Canada has experienced the same thing as Australia. I mentioned the OEC data. The price to rent in Canada, this is of June 2017, is 66% above the long-term average, 31% above price to income. They were There were media articles in 2010 that the housing bubble in Canada was going to burst. It hasn't. Home prices continued to soar. The average home price in Canada is $496,000. Now, that's down 6.4% from a year ago. And that, that's just that's a non-seasonally adjusted basis. If we look at the multiple listing service home price index, composite benchmark, seasonally adjusted, it's up 1% year over year. That's the smallest year over year increase in 2009. You're seeing potentially some cracks in the, the market. The, the sales level activity is at five-year lows. The amount of sales from May 2018 from May 2017 fell 16%. What has changed? Well, the Housing Authority required a new stress test for borrowers. They have to look what is their income to debt, their ability to service debt, assuming interest rates are two percentage points higher than they are today. And some some estimates, the Mortgage Professionals of Canada they have calculated 18% of current home buyers in Canada wouldn't qualify. They would fail this stress test. So as a result, you're seeing a slowdown in the rise in Canadian home prices. And they're expensive. Median family income in Toronto is $78,000 Canadian. The average sales price is $743,000. The consulting firm NMP in a recent survey found 27% of respondents agreed with the statement that they are in over their head with their current mortgage payments. And 77% would have a difficulty absorbing an additional $130 per month interest payment. Again, home prices cannot separate from gravity, the ability of households to service the debt over the long term, but over the short term, which could be years and has been years, a bubble can continue. So what do you do? What does Joe do? What does a member that I talked about in Plus Episode 202, this is a premium weekly podcast I do for Money for the Restless Plus, they're living with their mother-in-law. They have young children. They're in Santa Cruz County, another area with extremely high home prices. They look, houses that they would like 
small houses, 800000 to a million dollars because buyers from Silicon Valley want to come down there because it's kind of a vacation, second home area. They don't know what to do either. It's a tough, tough situation navigating a, a housing bubble. Before we look at how to, to navigate a essentially a bubble-like situation for home prices, when you really want to move or need to move, let me pause first and share some words from this week's sponsors. We have a brand new sponsor to our show. It's Yahoo Finance. Yahoo's been around for decades. My first email outside of work was a Yahoo email address. But the financial side, I've used on occasion primarily to get data for dividend histories for particular funds or ETFs. But I was pleasantly surprised to get back on Yahoo Finance to see how it's evolved over the years. Now it's really a financial dashboard where you can get an understanding of what's going on with the markets. There are relevant articles from Bloomberg, Reuters, the Associated Press, and the Yahoo Finance team. You can look at the economic events calendar and see which data series are being released that day and what the consensus is. You can see the pulse of the markets at any time by going to Yahoo Finance. In addition, you could see all of your investments in retirement accounts in one place. With Yahoo Finance, you get a consolidated view of multiple accounts. Yahoo Finance serves as a financial hub for your retirement accounts, but also comprehensive financial news and analysis. You need to check out Yahoo Finance, particularly if you haven't been there in a while. Check it out at yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. If you've been using Mint to manage your finances, you know they shut down several months ago. Well, let me tell you about the budgeting solution, the financial tracking solution I've been using for the past number of months. It's Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets like I've done. You can set goals, collaborate with your partner. And now you can get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com David. What I like about Monarch is the ability to customize what I want to see. I have custom budget categories, and then I can go on to the dashboard and see where I'm above trend on some of my spending. I especially like that Monarch will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying Monarch myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash David. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash David for your extended 30-day free trial. One of the challenges with, with housing is this is not a normal financial asset. This isn't really an investment asset. This is a lifestyle asset. And the needs of, of our growing families aren't necessarily in sync with the housing cycle. That's what Joe is seeing in, in the Boise area, in Treasure Valley. Home prices increased 68% from 2001 through the second quarter of 2007. They fell, they hit bottom in Q2 2011. They fell 40%. So that, he, they bought in 2012. So basically they got at the bottom and houses in his area have appreciated 92%. He mentioned that his, his home pr- prices doubled. 
Boise City Metro, this is a Zillow home value index, is $232,000. Which for some, if you live in LA County, Los Angeles County, the Zillow home value index is $609,000. That's kind of the average home price. It's three times higher than Boise area. Seattle's $767,000 average home price. San Francisco is $1.3 million average home price. No wonder Californians, and there's 40 million of them, are coming to Idaho where the population is 1.7 million. If you have home equity, after if you're in California and your home has appreciated and you want to get out of the rat race, go somewhere where there's a little less traffic, want to ski, Treasure Valley is very attractive. Idaho Falls, where I live, home prices, the average home price according to Zillow is 178500 so cheaper than Boise, up 28% since 2015. So the reality is that there is, Joe's correct, because of the different differentials in prices between nearby states and Idaho, there's no telling when this, I don't even know if you say it is a housing bubble in Boise. It's certainly 232000 That's cheap compared to Australia or Canada or California. So houses are certainly more expensive, double what they were in 2012, but still very, very inexpensive compared to other areas around the country. And that's one of the challenges. You have kind of this spillover effect. When it comes to housing, I saw this when we visited Sweden a couple years ago. The Swedes were complaining about all the Norwegians that had higher income coming and buying vacation property, particularly on the western side of Sweden, closer to Norway. And so this is just this is an ongoing phenomenon, phenomena globally. So what do you do? You're not sure when the appreciation will slow down. You have immigration either into your country or you have those that are buying, that live outside of your particular area buying for vacation property. Or you have immigration coming into your state or to your country that can keep the housing bubble going for a very long time. Well, you can stay put. You can stay where you are. Now, in the case of the member that's living with their mother-in-law, that's tough. And in, in Santa Cruz County, there's very few rentals. It, it's not an area, and the, rent, the rentals are expensive. But you can stay put. Joe has a house. They're, they're fine. You could sell and then rent if there's rentals available. Available, but that doesn't meet a lot of the needs that they talked about in terms of ability to do income daycare. But that would be one way to lock in that appreciation. Maybe houses will be more affordable down the road, but there, there's no guarantee for that. You can move to a cheaper locale, longer commute. They have family in the area, so they don't necessarily want to do that. Or 
they could buy something bigger and build something bigger that better suits their needs. Now, the key there is personal affordability. You you can't stretch. So you have to kind of go in. If you're going to go ahead and take the plunge, assume that housing prices, you kind of have to do a personal stress test. What would happen if interest rates went up 2%? First off, I think in today's environment, lock in a fixed rate, 30-year fixed rate mortgage. And if you can't afford a 30-year fixed rate mortgage, then the house is too big. But assume a 30% decline in houses. How would that impact you financially? I don't know what down payment you put down, but potentially then you're kind of stuck in the house. And that's sort of the trade-off if you're upside down in the house. But you kind of have to do Kind of see what the flexibility is. We did this in 2005. We built a house in Idaho. And total all-in cost was $400,000. I think we had a maybe a $300,000 mortgage at the time. So we, we had some equity in the house. Might have been about a $250,000 mortgage. But we knew that, I mean, houses were expensive. But we built it for $100 a square foot or so. But we sold it in 2012. House, the housing bubble nationally collapsed. But the house fit our needs. It's what we wanted at the time. But when we sold it, we sold it for $325,000. So you kind of have to go in and be willing to accept a, a decline. So we lost, what, 20% or more in, on, on that house. But we got to live there eight years, and we had a, we had a great Experience, but you kind of have to do a personal stress test and look at your your situation from that aspect. Will, if houses fell in value, you can have to really want to be there because potentially it could. And a lot of Californians saw that for many for a long time. They couldn't get out. Now homes are appreciated, and a lot of them are moving to Idaho. Yesterday, I got another email from Joe, and he wrote, we are leaning towards staying put in our current home right now. We would be stretching it by building now monetarily. And if there were any sort of economic downturn to where my business declined by even 10 or 20%, we would not be able to have the lifestyle we have now, which allows my wife to be a stay-at-home mom. That's the other consideration. Your income, the ability to service the mortgage. If not, a, I mean, one thing, if the house falls in price, but what if economic circumstances where your income is cut, what is your ability to service the higher mortgage payment? That, that's a huge consideration. He says, we, we also wouldn't be able to save if we built now because their mortgage pay, payment would be so much higher. I do like to save and have that comfort level to be able to take advantage of opportunities that arise in downturns, while at the same time being able to save for the pleasures in life that we currently enjoy. I'm wondering if it is indeed a bubble because I'm usually cautious and make wise decisions with our money. 
which is how we got to where we are. Yet I find myself wrapped up in the hype of you better get a house now because they because they will only continue to rise forever. That's a tough situation to be in. If you feel like you got to act now. Now, again, we've looked at the options. He mentions, I know historically after listening to one of your podcasts that home values actually decline in real terms. Well, not, not everywhere. So, in fact, that long-term Credit Suisse annual yearbook showed that globally houses have appreciated about 1% a year on a real basis since 1920. In the U.S., I think it was about 0.3%. So basically a little bit of real appreciation, but it definitely depends on your area. If you're an area that's geographically attractive, where there's a constrained supply of houses, houses can do better than inflation. But there's no guarantee. And they, there are bubbles. It, one of the reasons housing, there was, there was a stretch there, particularly after World War II, because of more roads, more highways in the U.S., there was way more land to build houses on. And, and as a result, the housing just didn't appreciate as much. In their case, their house, he mentioned, increased 100% nominally, nominally since they bought it in 2012. He says, I don't think that's sustainable. I still do have an inkling of the fear of missing out mentality and hope we do not get priced out of the market and could never afford to move up if this is the case. I think a recession is coming logically. All bull markets eventually end and we have the highest income to house price ratio again. And he points out that interest rates are a full point percentage point lower last time the price to income in his, his area hit a long time high. A slight hit could make housing unaffordable for many people. And I wouldn't want to lose what we had. Well, I guess he says a slight hit in terms of his income could make their house unaffordable. And he wouldn't want to lose what he had. And he says, I just have this gut feeling that we're supposed to be where we are now. You would call it uwe, and I would call it God. This same feeling of just letting things happen rather than forcing them allowed us to just randomly look at houses in 2012 when we were renting and our landlord put the place up for sale. We were renting from The first house we looked at was a short sale and we made an offer right there and wound up with a great deal with perfect timing as the people right behind us made an offer too and ended up being our neighbors right down the street. This, this uwe or the, just this gut feeling, just biding your time. Every time we've bought a house, we just knew. We looked at a bunch of houses. But this last house we bought here in Idaho Falls, we came back from Mexico. This was last year, earlier than we had planned. There was a house in the neighborhood that we'd, a neighborhood we'd been eyeing for years. They happened to put the house up for sale by owner. We went in, we made the choice and we bought it. We knew the house before that. We just, just had a feeling this was the one. You don't have that feeling. You feel like you're pressing because you fear the prices will get higher. You need to step back and be patient 
use your network in terms of houses that perhaps whisper listings, I think that was what they call it, that might be coming on. Just but be patient and do the personal stress test to make sure what can you afford. Don't stretch because housing prices have risen so much. Be willing to compromise so that you maintain that flexibility in order to act when opportunity arrives, in order to save. And so your lifestyle is not cramped if your income happens to be cut. So that's episode 211. You can get show notes at moneyfortherestofus.com. While you're there, please sign up for my free weekly insider's guide. Is the email I send with the links to that week's episode, the show notes, as well as a an essay. Some of the best writing I do each week, things that didn't make it into the podcast, other thoughts that I have on investing and the economy. I put that just, just to Insider's Guide subscribers, and that's free. You can sign up for that at moneyfortherestofus.com. Everything I've shared with you in this episode has been for general education and not considered your specific risk situation. I'm not provided investment advice, just general education on money, investing, and the economy. Have a great week. <laughs>